WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Hello, everybody. This is WVUA 90.7 FM, the capstone, and welcome to episode number 45 of the Full Court Press podcast. Shout out Donovan Mitchell. My name is Jamie Martinez, and I'm joined by Alex Chasen and Nick Atkinson. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FCP Podcast underscore UA and on TikTok at FCP underscore podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. All right. So there's a ton to talk about, but, you know, my Boston Celtics got eliminated. So I guess we should probably jump on that first. And you guys can give me your takes of what that series, what you guys thought about. And also, you know, anything you want to make fun of me about, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll give you your time right now, both of you. I'll let you go. You want to go first, Nick? You got it. All right. So uh, that was a real real tight series the entire time. It was scary, really. Uh, Miami goes up 3-0. Everybody thinks it's wraps. Uh, Boston comes back and win one. No big deal. Boston comes back and wins another. Uh-oh. What's going to happen here? Boston comes back and wins game three off of a crazy tip-in from Derek White at the buzzer. Oh, my God. We're going back to Boston. It is over for Miami. But for some reason... Boston doesn't like playing in Boston, and they get obliterated at home by Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin. An absolute show out. I think they lost by like 20-plus points yeah. Uh, at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jalen Brown had eight turnovers in a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, only two players uh, on the entire Celtics team had a plus-minus in the positives, and those were two players that played in the last two minutes of garbage time. Everybody else had a negative. Uh, Jason Tatum was, I believe, a negative 14. Jalen Brown was a negative 17. So it was just not good at all from a Boston standpoint. Um, nobody really went out and performed, and the Heat just dominated. They outcoached Boston. They outplayed Boston. They just beat them up. And now they're on to the NBA Finals. How about you, Nick? What's your take on that series? Um... I don't know. It wasn't <clears throat> I I I thought the Celtics maybe could make a comeback, but, but I mean, as soon as game 7 started and Tatum did whatever he did to his ankle and then he got messed up and then they just continued to play terrible and Jalen Brown that might have been the worst playoff series I've ever seen him play in. Uh just, you know, consistent games of him not being one of the best players on the court. One of the first times in his career of that being the case, he kind of as a whole, they both looked like like the year that they got swept by Milwaukee. That that's what that kind of reminded me of is that yep. year whenever they got beat by Milwaukee. That's just what they were playing like the whole series against Miami. And uh, you know, as far as if I if I thought if how I think Miami like what I take from them in this series, I would just say kind of like that they're if they're going to go on a championship run any year, it's gonna have to be this year. And I don't know if. They're going to be able to beat Denver, but as far as from what I saw them in that series, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler looked like like Michael Jordan or LeBron or something playing against the Celtics, and uh, you know, Bam Adebayo though he he did pretty good, and then you know all the role players were playing like you know something I've never seen before. Like they all had a bunch of six man of the year on the team, like the Clippers back you know in 2020 when they had Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell and all of them. So I don't know, you know, they're just clicking on all the same level and all that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. 
See, I don't even think Jimmy played like Jordan or LeBron. He played fantastic, but it was more like the role players. And he just attract, attracted so much attention that whenever he drived, he'd kick. And all the shooters around him were shooting better than they've ever shot before. Each player on yeah. that roster was shooting a better percentage throughout the entire playoffs than they did all season. Now, I was wondering whenever they would cool down, and that kind of cooled down games four, five, and six a little bit. And then game seven, they came right back with vengeance and took game seven. And sadly, in person, I saw the Celtics fall again in a game seven. I saw it back against LeBron, Tatum's rookie year. I saw – so maybe I shouldn't go anymore. Game seven is going to the finals because I keep blowing it. But I don't know. Do you think they should get rid of Jalen Brown? I think not. They're going to give him the Supermax, and no one's ever yeah. – not accepted the Supermax. I've been hearing trades for Damian Lillard, maybe trade for the third pick at Scoot Henderson. See, I don't, I don't want that. I think we keep the thing is with the new CBA is it's going to make it very hard to keep both of them plus good role players. So I think this offseason we're going to trade Malcolm. Yeah. Brown. I mean, for me, I think, I mean, I don't know. In my personal opinion, I'm not going to sit here and make a playoff run, say that Jalen Brown is worse than Damian Lillard when Jalen Brown was sec- first. He was second team All NBA, right? Yeah, he was second team All NBA. He's you know top three shooting guard. You know he can be placed however you want to place him in there, but regardless, he's top three shooting guard. You know I'm not gonna say that Dame is better than him. So I think that if they do get Dame, that doesn't you know make a difference as far as how they would win. I think that you would lose more games with Dame being on the team because you already have so many point guards as it is. You have Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Derek White gets some minutes at point guard. So there's just really no point in trading for him. If you're going to try to get rid of Jalen Brown, though, I don't I don't even know what a package could look like uh, that would make any sort of sense unless you're, you know, getting Al Horford or maybe some other guys off the team just to try to build the team up in some other sort of way around Tatum. Yeah, I get that. This offseason, either way, we're going to have to trade either Smart, Brogdon, or White, or we're not going to be able to afford Tatum Supermax next year, and Browns this year, too, with the new CBA stuff. So, Because I remember we talked about it back when we were actually like all together, and we talked about the new CBA and how it's going to affect super teams. Brogdon, Smart, and White are all on relatively big contracts for role players, so one of them is going to have to be moved. I think it's going to be Brogdon, though. Yeah. Um, Without White performing I in the guess, playoffs, I, I, think, I think White stays. White and Smart stay because Smart is Mr. Celtic and White played fantastic. And Brogdon got hurt. Yeah. It's been an issue for him. So he's going to be the odd man out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And then one last thing. I just don't know about trading the sixth man of the year. Yeah, I mean, I get that too. But I feel like, I mean, White played so well. And we're not going to get rid of Marcus Smart, most likely. I just No, think- that's, that'd, be, yeah, that'd be dumb. I just think Brogdon's the odd man out. It's just, I think, I don't know, it's going to be tough. But one thing I want to touch out, touch on before we move to another team is Joe Missoula. He's going to be back next year. Brad Stevens had his, like, presser at the end of the season yet today to close off the year. And they said Joe Missoula will be back next year. Now, for me, before I let you guys give your opinions, I don't think it was Joe Missoula's fault. Definitely wasn't the greatest coach out there. He got out, out coached by Eric Spolster 100%, but he made some key adjustments throughout the series. The thing is, he had no real assistant coaches that had any more experience than him. Damon Stoudemire left to get a head coaching job at some college. I forget. I think it might have been Georgetown, but I don't exa- I don't remember exactly. So he left. He was like our only veteran coach after, obviously, because, you know, Ime. So he was kind of put on short notice at first, Joe. And then we lost our most seasoned assistant coach. I want Frank Vogel and Steven Silas 
to be our assistant coaches next year. One of the two, I'm leaning towards Frank Vogel because he has a championship. And then also, we need a role player, not even a role player, someone who can just sit as the 13th man who has won a championship. Danny Green, something along the lines, who knows how to win. Because right now, we have great leaders in Marcus Smart, now Horford, but they've never won anything. That's our issue. And uh, that's all I got to say on that. But you guys can give your opinions on those two things. Yeah, I definitely think Mazzola um, is going to need help I out mean, there. Just from like a from like a veteran. Uh, he's just so young. He's 30-something years old, younger than Al Horford. And I do think he's going to need some experience behind him at assistant because obviously Stoudemire has gone. So I like the pick of Vogel. And I'm sure there's other guys out there who need jobs. But uh, I think Vogel's a good pick. But I also think the Celtics need to get some size because – I don't know if I still like Jalen Brown small forward and Tatum at power forward. I'd like to see Tatum small forward, Jalen Brown shooting guard, and then maybe bring in some size if you do trade Malcolm Brockton um, or Peyton Pritchard because it's looking like that's going to be the case as well. So um, the Celtics, there's a lot to look forward to um, and a lot to rebuild on this offseason for them. For me, I I don't know if – I don't know about – I don't know. I feel like Frank Vogel might get a head coaching job. Like, I think – I feel like Toronto might try to hire Frank Vogel. I, I feel like he could get a head coaching job. You know, if y'all are able to get him as an assistant coach, though, that's – you know, y'all would have the best assistant coach in the NBA at that point. And as far as role players, though, um, or, like, players you could add on to the 13th, man, you know, um, Serge Ibaka is somebody that you could have because, you know, for one, you some sometimes you need – y'all – Something that I saw with y'all, which y'all were missing, was a big man. And, you know, Serge Ibaka, he can still get minutes in the NBA. He's a stretch big. He plays good defense. And, you know, he he's won a title. He's been to multiple NBA finals. So I think that that would be somebody you could pick up. Um, then there's you'll still have a, a mid-level exception that you could use. And there's multiple guys that would want something like that. Like, I'm trying to think of just some players that you could sign on an MLE, but Regardless, you know, you just got to try to look at the MLE market and just look at some players that you could get for, you know, a good size contract. Gallinari, is he a free agent this season? Like going into next season? I believe he has a team option. Yeah, well, I mean, he would, he'll definitely help, you know, with the big man depth next season, you know, because he's six foot 10. So he could definitely run some power forward next year. I saw this. Pat Bev was in Boston a few days ago and he was wearing, I'll show you guys the picture. He's wearing like a Celtics. Uh, jacket i would love patrick if we trade brogdon and i know this is going off topic of championship experience but he does have that dog in him that no one really has on the celtics team besides smart so i would imagine the pairing of smart and pat bev i was gonna say they're basically the same player and smart's then, a lot better that marcus smart's better offensively yeah. but uh like the way pat bev completely changed the culture of chicago Maybe he could do the same thing with uh in Boston. Maybe get some little hype out there because Chicago completely turned around as soon as they got Pat Bev. They they were on a hot winning streak. They made the play in. Obviously, didn't make it out, but um they they were still much more phenomenal second half of the season. So I think it'd be a good signing. I think yeah. that I think we would have won if Jason Tatum didn't get hurt at the beginning of the game. I'm, I'm going to say that's my last thing. I think we would have won. Jason Tatum severely sprained his ankle to the point where he could. I was I was there. I could really tell. He was he could barely run up and down the court, but he played the entire. He played forty two minutes. The thing is though, is Jalen Brown just. You would think that when someone gets hurt like a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown would step up to the occasion and prove he's a superstar in the league. But no, he flopped. My final words is that Tatum and Brown. Tatum is close to being a top five NBA player, but he's not because he's not consistent enough to be a top five NBA player. Jalen Brown is close to being a top 
eight NBA player, but he's not consistent enough to be a top eight NBA player. That's my takes on it. And then Nick, I know you like Monty Williams. How do you feel about getting him getting that massive contract to go to Detroit, which we talked about before. We did not think he was going to go to like a team that's a rebuilding team, but he got like four years, almost $80 million, something crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was kind of surprising to see that, especially because he's, you know, an older NBA coach. And I thought that he would maybe want to compete, you know, go to a better team than that. You know, we could have went to Toronto. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe that was a good option considering there, as far as good teams that are competing. The only team he really could have went to was Milwaukee, but they signed Adrian Griffin just a few days ago. Um, and then Philly, they got Nick Nurse and uh, Mike Bodenholzer is still on the market, which is kind of crazy. Um, You'll go to but, Toronto. Um, we'll, we'll see what goes with that. But I mean, I guess if that's his last option, he could, but. I don't know, maybe coaching trade. Yeah, yeah, there could be a coaching trade. Like, maybe – I don't know. I don't know where he could go. But uh, regardless, I know any team that has Mike Bordenholzer would, would, you know, be a playoff team. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. So, you know, it's kind of surprising that he does not have a job yet. But as far as Monty Williams going there, I think that's good for their culture to get them a good head coach. Obviously, Dwayne Casey, he's a coach of the year coach before, but – he didn't really have a connection with all those players because he goes there with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin back in like 2019, 2020. And then he just is put with a rebuilding roster for years. And then now he decides to step up in management to be more of a president or something like that. I think he might be the assistant GM or something like that. But, uh, you know, to be able to get Monty Williams, though, that'll help. I feel like the development of Cade and Jaden Ivey, because Monty Williams used to be an assistant for – OKC and New uh, New Orleans. He was the head coach of New Orleans, and he helped Anthony Davis with his development. He helped Devin Booker with his development, Westbrook with his development, KD with his development. So he's really good at developing players. So I think that'll be a, a very – the most positive thing out of this. You know, what do you think about all these coaches, Jamie? I think Monty Williams is going to really change the culture of Detroit. Um <clears throat> They didn't have much direction at the end of the season. It was kind of just a bunch of young guys playing basketball, trying to get some wins. They were without their star player and Cade Cunningham. But now you bring in the most winning coach in the NBA since being in Phoenix on the biggest contract in a coach's history uh, with a very young squad that's going to get younger with the NBA draft coming along. I can see him making some deals and luring some players over in free agency to get some um, some vets out in there, some talented vets to go alongside Ivy and Cunningham and Bagley. Durin, all them, they have a bright future. Um, if those guys can just get some more games under their belt, some uh, some chemistry, I think the Pistons are set because they obviously didn't win the Webanyama race like they were really hoping to do, oh, but wow. they're still in a very good spot. Like, yeah, five is a is a far fall for having the worst record in the NBA, but to have the best coach, not the best coach in the NBA now, that's pretty opinionated, one but of the one of the best coaches, coaches uh, one of the best coaches alongside a f- bunch of star uh, young guys, especially Cade Cunningham, I think that's going to benefit him the most. I think they're really going to get the the star potential out of him with Monty Williams. So um, I'm excited for Detroit. How about the other two? You got Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee, and then Nick Nurse in uh, Nick's Philadelphia. Yeah, Nick Nurse is a pretty big one. Um, I think it was an improvement over Doc Rivers because we've seen some questionable things with Doc Rivers. And Nick Nurse has been he he's been dealt some bad hands, um, but he's really turned them into gold. He turned Fred Van Vliet and Siakam from G Leaguers to All Stars. 
Um, and then he's a coach of the year after Kawhi leaves. He has that title with Kawhi. So he has the accolades. He has the hardware. And I'm pretty sure that's what Philly really liked about him. I'm sure they were just as confused as anybody with Toronto letting him go. And they just swooped him right up after firing Doc Rivers and some disappointing playoff losses. So hopefully this is just what Joel Embiid needs to get over that second round hump that he's been burdened with his entire career. So I think that was the best hire available for Philadelphia. I think Nick Nurse got it. He has to really prove it again, though, because, yeah, he won a championship, but it was with Kawhi, rookie head. It's like Joe Mazzula. Now, not that bad because Nick Nurse was a coach for a assistant coach for a while, but it was his first time being a head coach. And it's like just, Joe Mazzula just won it with Tatum. Like, okay, he kind of got carried by Tatum and Brown. So he's got to prove it now with a new team with all the stars available to him. Maybe they get hardened back, maybe not. But at least you have Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese Maxey is on the rise to being a top eight point guard in the NBA, top eight to five point guard. He's got to really prove it now because it's not like he's going to a bad team. He has all the weapons around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Adrian Griffin, correct me if I'm wrong. All right, where did where did he come from? Toronto. Toronto, okay. Toronto. So, yeah. Um, Nick Nurse. Yeah, it's another another Toronto guy, Nick Nurse. Um, I mean, he's he has a lot to prove. Uh, he has a phenomenal squad around him, one of the best in the NBA. However, there is some uh, some tension within them with Jay Crowder and what he wants to do and what Giannis is wanting to do now that he's at 30 years old. What's the future of Chris Middleton? So he's got a lot on his plate for being the brand-new head coach of a team who just lost in the first round after being the one seed and now being the head coach of a team who just fired their head coach after having the best record in the NBA. So I think he has a lot to prove with Milwaukee. Luckily, he has a phenomenal roster with him, but – it's not going to be all sunshine and day uh, and daisies for him. So um, I think he, I think he'll be just fine alongside Giannis because Giannis is going to make your job very easy, no matter who you are. So um, yeah, it's going to be tough for Griffin, but I think he'll accumulate. What's uh, the Bucks off season? What, what, what do they have to do to not get worse? Because they're aging, not Giannis. He's just hitting his prime, but Middleton's aging. Lopez is aging. Jake Crowder's aging. I don't know if he wants to be there. Wesley yeah. Matthews, Man, he might be re- retiring. They're all is mm-hmm. he still the team? Yeah, I think so. He's like the end of the bench. Yeah, I th- yeah, he was. Yeah, they, yeah, they all, have like all... Goran Dragic. I mean, like, that... they have a lot of old guys. That was a little um, signing. No, he was on yeah. the Bulls. He was on the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So I think they trade Jay Crowder um or do what they can with him because I don't think he's a free agent. I'm pretty sure he's tradable. So um look, get what you can out of him because I, I doubt it's gonna be a ton. Um just get what you can uh either during the draft or after before whatever um and then chris middleton's a tough one because he's a free agent so do you sign him back it's a tough decision because he's getting older and his health has been such a concern for the last two or three years and then when he did play obviously they lost to miami in the playoffs so that's Giannis's boy i don't know if they keep him or not that's kind of griffin's decision to make alongside management um if i'm milwaukee i might let him go just see what happens try and get younger or sign and trade whatever whatever they want to do and then just you're trying to so get bad. something out of it you're gonna he's gonna be like Luka Doncic on the Mavericks mm-hmm. yeah Giannis is gonna be very very alone um but I think Giannis Drew has, Holiday and most yeah. likely Brooke I mean, Lopez still defensive player of the year yeah. level so yeah. it's not like Giannis is gonna be a hundred percent alone he's still gonna but have pieces like Bobby Portis was phenomenal off the bench so it's not like they're going to be Luca poverty, but it's going to be tough without Middleton. They, they were basically playing without him the entire season anyway. I know, but they're so, not getting younger, though. That's the thing. 
Like they're unless they go out in free agency and get some pieces, because they have Grayson Allen who kind of sold the bag in the playoffs, but um it's not like they're elderly like the Lakers were in 2020. But uh, Brooke Lopez is pretty elderly. Now he's played had a great season, but I don't know if that's gonna last. Yeah, I'm not sure. At least you have Bobby Portis off the bench to uh kind of combat that. If he does start to get old, just give Portis more minutes or start him. Um, but free agency, I'm not sure how much money they have because I know Giannis is on a fat contract. But I'm sure Chris Middleton leaving does free up some money. So maybe they can go out and do something with that. I think that uh, if Harden goes to the Rockets, that the Rockets are going to be definitely trying to get Chris Middleton to come to the team. <clears throat> Why is that? Um, I mean, because, you know, you want to be able to compete because if they don't have anybody alongside Harden besides – Jalen Green and then a bunch of you know sophomore players and they're not going to be able to compete. So, right now, what do you think Doc Rivers is going to land? Do you think he's going to get a job? I don't think he gets another job. Really, there's nobody that really needs him. Mike Budenholzer would, I feel like, would get prioritized before him. What's is there any jobs open now? Uh, I guess Toronto. 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 That's it. I doubt they get Doc Rivers after losing Nick Nurse to the Sixers of all teams. So I think if you're going to get anybody, get Bud or some assistant like Jordy Fernandez. I don't know if Budenholzer would want to go there. I mean, they have pieces. It's just, I'm not I, sure. I think it really depends on what Toronto wants to do with the team. They're gonna like, do they want to contend or do they want to trade everybody away? I think they should blow They're going to be up. trading people. I, I think they do too. I, I've seen rumors of trading Siakam and there's already the whole rumors with Gary Trent and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. Yeah. I mean, everybody's been up for trade. I know at the trade deadline last year, they were saying, oh, we want to contend. That's why they brought in Jakob Pertle. But then they didn't, and that's what kind of hurt them. So I think now they – I feel like they're going to realize they don't have a team that's going to contend. They don't have a superstar who's going to take them over the hump. So I think they're going to start getting rid of the Siakams and the the Van Vliet's and the Gary Trent's. Maybe OG Ananobi. I know he's still young, 24, one of the best defenders in the league. So um, I'm sure there will be a, a large market for him. Um, but I'm sure they're going to start blowing it up soon. Do a, a Utah Jazz, if you if you want to say something like that. I was looking at different like possible trade options, and the one that kept popping up is Anthony Simons for Pascal Siakam. And yes, I mean, it would be great, and the third pick, which will be great for the Raptors because you get Scoot and you get a young shooting guard with Anthony Simons. Good for the Raptors, but why would that benefit the Blazers? You lose the, lose the third pick, and you get Pascal Siakam, which is a great big that you don't really have right now, a good pairing up with Nurkic at the power forward position. He's definitely way better than Jeremy Grant, but then – but he's older, though. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like you get – I feel like you get good for, like, a year or two, but you still don't get good enough to compete for a championship. So I don't know if no. that – I don't really yeah. – honestly, you might get worse because Anthony Simons balled out last year. Yeah, he did, and mm-hmm. – and at this point, I think that um, Damian Lillard is just like, as far as he goes, I think that they might definitely explore trading him, you know, because he's they could definitely, you know, pair Scoot with some sort of, you know, another pick or, or something like that. Just, you know, maybe a young guy like Tyler Hero or something. I've been seeing a lot of Miami Heat rumors surrounding Dame. I've seen uh, Fred Van Vliet. What? I don't know about now if they're in the finals. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, let's say they do lose the finals and then they're like, okay, we got to the finals without Tyler Hero last year, so maybe we can do it again. Plus, we have Dame. 
So, you know, maybe that's what they think. But um, as far as Toronto, though, I could see I've I've been seeing this all over the place is Fred Van Vliet replacing Chris Paul because, you know, Chris Paul is getting older. I think it's, you know, stupid trade because you will lose a lot of playmaking from Chris Paul. You lose a lot of defense from Chris Paul. And then you just have Fred Van Vliet, who's kind of just really more of a shooting guard than a point guard, in my opinion. Uh, So I don't know. I think that would be a somewhere for him to go. And then obviously you would get Chris Paul to kind of, I guess, do what he did in OKC or something like that. But as far as some coaching changes, I think that they could go out and maybe get Steven Silas because, you know, he what they he didn't have the respect of the Houston Rockets players, but he kind of was leading them in the direction of we're in a rebuild and he's a young coach. So, you know, he could go do that in Toronto potentially if he can't get another job. I think he'd be an all right coach for them. A name that popped in my head. I'd take Mike D'Antoni on the bench of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, yeah, he'd be good, one. yeah. He's older. I don't think he's going to want to coach. Because he was an assistant coach for a little bit somewhere after. The Nets. The Nets, right. I say, yeah, I would take him as an assistant coach, older guy. I don't know if he wants to lead a team again. But, yeah, I was just thinking about that. I don't know. It's crazy. What are the, what are some, like, what are, like, two or three teams that need to have a huge offseason this year? And then we'll get into like the finals and stuff. Lakers, Lakers and Mavericks. What do they need to do? Mavericks, especially the Mavericks are huge. Yeah, I agree with the Mavericks. Um, Mavericks. Well, so the Mavericks, Jeez. you know, said the thing about not keeping, not helping Kyrie with this trade. So they've got to, you know, they got to handle that. Yeah, it's however like, they want to decide to handle that. Why would you say that? Because now you could just lose them for nothing. Why would you? Like you think you think that's gonna make him like want to come back saying yeah. we're not gonna help you with the sign and trade because he he literally no has no like he has no bird rights not like he's just a free agent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That would just be it's kind of just stupid for them to say that it's a stupid business move. But I mean, you know, a, a duo of D'Angelo Russell, Luca, and then if I'm the Mavericks, I'm you know demanding that you know you give me Lonnie Walker or J- or, <clears throat> or Jared Vanderbilt. So you know, one of the two of those guys alongside D'Angelo Russell and um. Luca, you know, that's a that's a pretty good big three for them to have. And then you still have Christian Wood and all the other pieces on the bench. So I heard Christian you know, is gone if Kyrie leaves. You think? That's what I was reading. Like what does when you where you were when you were talking about like they're not gonna help him in that same well, at least what I, what I was reading, they were saying that if Christian Wood he's not gonna come back if Kyrie doesn't come back. And then also I think Lonnie and who's the other guy? Vanderbilt, they're on expiring deals. Yeah, well, no, Vando is on a uh he's still good. He's got one more year. But Lonnie is on an expiring deal, uh, along with Austin Reeves. And, you know, they said that they'd be willing to match up $100 million for Austin Reeves. So if he gets a contract like that, that'll be insane. I think he's gone if he gets that big of a contract. Yeah. Can they even aff- – but they'd, they'd have they'd have no <clears throat> around AD, LeBron, and Reeves. <laughs> Just, yeah, that'd be terrible. And then Vanderbilt and then – Oh, I don't know about what what they do with Malik Beasley because he played so bad in the playoffs. He they was out of just sitting him. Yeah, he was out of the rotation. Yeah, and I then, wonder what happens with Mo Bamba too. I don't know. He was hurt the entire time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think the Mavericks are in the biggest trouble because if Kyrie leaves, they're left with even worse off when they were before the trade because now they have Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. Because assuming Chris, Christian Wood leaves too as their best role players around Luka. He's going to be the next one to request a trade in, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Reggie Bullock's so bad, too. I hate watching him play. Bad, Tim Hardaway's but... good at times, but 
Um, Christian Wood leaving would just be tragic. Getting nothing back for Kyrie sets your team back years, literal years. Um, and that that's gonna want Luke. That's gonna make Luca want to leave because the fans are like, get Luca help, get Luca help. Mark Cuban's not doing anything about it. GMs aren't doing anything about it. Luca's kind of just been screwed his entire time in Dallas, especially this season, and especially if they get nothing back for Kyrie and Christian Wood, like. If they don't go out and sign an Austin Reeves or a Chris Middleton, maybe on a cheap deal or That's somebody, fun. yeah, like somebody to help Luca, then Luca's gonna want to leave two years from now. So Dallas is in such a tough spot. And like I was saying a couple podcasts ago, Kyrie Irving literally holds the future of the Dallas Mavericks in his hands. Hey, and if yo. like hey, yo, if take- he signs back with the Mavericks and accepts the trade and he finds a trade partner, the Mavericks are fine. They're gonna get what they want. They get picks. They get players. Luca gets his help. But what? if he doesn't sign a contract with the Mavericks, they're screwed. There is no coming back for Dallas. So I don't even know, man. Watching my YouTube videos, Jamie? Of course. Every day. It's all I watch. That's exactly what I said. I binge watch them six hours a day. Every day. No, but for real, I think the Mavericks are in big trouble and the Lakers. I think well, LeBron, I don't he's not really retiring. I think he's coming back. A D is there. But I don't know if they lose D'Lo. They're, I was looking at like their money. Their best like guard who's still there is Scottie Pippen Jr. Assuming they lose everyone else like Dennis Schroeder, Reeves, and all the above, D'Lo, Scottie Pippen Jr. is their best guard under contract. Even my guy Cole Swider, he has a uh, team option, but he's more of like a forward. So I heard I heard this thing about LeBron James kind of masterminding the media after saying he's going to retire. So he says he's thinking about retiring like right after game four of the Nuggets game. And I heard he said that because uh, he's trying to take all the attention away from getting swept and puts the attention back on him wanting to retire. So it takes all the bad media away about the sweeping and all the media is talking about him, just him wanting to retire. So nobody's really talking about how the Lakers just got mollywopped. They're all wondering about LeBron if he comes back. So I think it was more of a media tactic. I think he comes back nonetheless. Everybody's going to freak out when he announces he's coming back because I feel like everybody knows it's going to happen nonetheless. But he got the pot stirred and all the attention away from getting swept. So I, I feel like he kind of finessed the media a little bit there. Good take, Skip. Good take. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on my, my skip. Shannon's leaving, so I, I got to be skipped today. I said it. What's yeah, Shannon's leaving. What's going to happen to that show? I have no idea who they're going to replace because – like that's that show is gonna go so bad without Shannon. They're so funny together, and they genuinely don't like each other. It's so funny. I could see Max Kellerman hopping back on, like going there because he got off first take a few years ago. Now he has his own show. I could see him jumping. That'd be over. So annoying. Yeah, but he's like that. It's like that. That'd be so that would be terrible. Yeah, nobody wants to watch that. Shannon's <clears throat> so funny. That's why everybody watches it. Oh, I watch it. He's like the Sha- the Shaquille O'Neal for Inside the NBA. That's what Shannon is for for first take. So. I don't know, man. I don't even watch Undisputed. I just I just see the clips on like my phone and they're they're hilarious. I don't either. I don't think anybody does. They just watch it on Instagram. Yeah, I think it's funny. But now the finals. All right. What is gonna happen? Game one is tonight or tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast. What's gonna happen? Or yesterday, I mean not tomorrow, yesterday. So who's winning and how many games? How long is the series gonna go? I'll let whoever you guys go first, I'll go last, but Curious to see what you think. I'll go first real quick. Uh, I'm going to take Denver in six. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of Denver in four and, oh, Miami hasn't had to face anybody like Denver. They just faced the one and the two seed and beat them pretty convincingly, especially um, 
Milwaukee especially, and then they handled Boston uh, pretty pretty easily despite some you know some intensity at the end. But uh, Miami is extremely like under the radar, uh, underappreciated. The Caleb Martin and all those role players have played out of their mind. It's just it really depends on if they can continue that that hot streak into the finals. Because if your guys like Max Struess and Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson aren't back and don't hit like they have been, it they're done. Um, I know you're going to get Tyler Hero back at some point during the finals. That's what I've heard. Game three is the earliest. So um, I I think if you get him back, that's going to help you. And I think that's where their wins are going to come from, getting Tyler Hero back. If Denver can kind of accumulate to him. Um, but I think Denver is just too strong. Bam Adebayo played like Dookie Booty in uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, just pulling up mid-range shots on top of, like, Derek White, who is an easy mismatch. He has Derek White or Brogdon or Marcus Smart on him, and instead of kind of just drop-stepping on him, he pulls up in this turnaround mid-range shot like he's MJ. But no, leave that to MJ's actual son, your teammate. You don't got to be doing that, Bam. He's doing too much. Uh and if you're going to be having that against the best center in the NBA and the best player in the NBA, you're going to lose. So Bam Adebayo is going to step up. Cody Zeller has to step up because he wasn't very good uh, in the last series either. And Kevin Love didn't really get any minutes at all uh, in the last series. Maybe we'll see that change if they want to have him guard Jokic. Not heard I don't of see the- why they'd want to do that, but um, maybe they do. Uh, so it's really going to ha- like all go into the, whole, the role players for Miami. If they can step up, they'll get a couple wins. It's just too much, though. Denver with MPJ and Jamal Murray and all those role players. KCP, I think they're just too good. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I agree. I think that as far as Miami goes, you're not going to be able to make any sort of matchup against Yukish. Nothing is going to be able to stop him. been able to dominate every series and every team that he's played so far. He's had AD guarding him. He's had um, – you know, everybody else guarding him. He's had uh, – <clears throat> he's also had – who else was uh, – what was it? Oh, he had Rudy Gobert guarding him, you know. So he had a lot of options. But uh, as far as <clears> – as far as Miami goes, I don't see how they can win the series, you know. Like Jamie was saying, without everybody being on point and all their bench players being able to play to the best of their abilities, I don't think that's going to keep up for a seven-game series – against one of the best defenses in the league. Aaron Gordon is most likely going to be guarding Jimmy Butler is what I heard for the most part, and that's kind of a – that's a big size advantage and all that. So, in my opinion, though, I got to go with Denver in five. See, I don't think it's going to go four games. I don't think it's going to be a seven-game series, but I agree with both of you. I think Jamie said six, you said five, Nick. I'm going to say six games because this is what I was saying when I was making my video. The Heat – have the best one of the best coaches in the league. The Nuggets have one of the best coaches in the league, but the Nuggets have a two-time MVP along with Jamal Murray, MPJ, two top 50. I don't know about MPJ, but Jamal Murray is definitely a top 50 player in the league. More like a uh, top right now, he's like top 20, but realistically, he's more like top 35. And then MPJ, he closes in on the top 40 to 50 somewhere, some whenever he's on. But anyways, my point being is they have so much also great depth after that. Bruce Brown. So many great pieces with them. Miami, Jimmy played great. Didn't play as well as I thought when it mattered the most, but he did play great. He'll turn that back on. But then the role players, they're going to play well, but at the end of the day, they can't match up against the Nuggets. They just can't do it. Jokic, 
is going to kill Bam. Bam struggled to guard Al Horford at times, struggled to guard Robert Williams at times. What is he going to do against a point guard who's a center? Triple-double point guard. That's not Russell Westbrook, but no, it's Nikola Jokic. What is he going to do? I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say Nuggets in six. I don't see it being a sweep just because the Heat have that factor of not giving up and being the most like physical and I'm going to beat you jumping on the ball type of team. They win in all they win in all the extracurricular areas, but at the end of the day, the Nuggets have talent and a great coach. They're going to win. That's why the Celtics lost. They have great talent, not a terrible coach, just a rookie coach. That's why they lost. But no, the Nuggets have a fantastic talent and a great coach. So I think this is going to be the end for the Miami Heat. Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, the the Spoltra and Malone duel or whatever is going to is going to. It's going to go down to whoever wins it between them two, especially with how Spolster has been able to kind of keep his guys competitive and, you know, being the underdogs in each series. I don't think that he they go on to win, and I think that Mike Malone will do a good job at coaching the the coaching the defense that's going up against Jimmy Butler because he was able to stop LeBron. He was able to stop Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards. You know, I think that he won't have – it will not be hard for him to stop Jimmy Butler. So, I agree with that. I agree with that, Jamie. But is the I think the question is, can Malone stop Michael Jordan? Because that's how Jimmy Butler's playing about right now. <laughs> he wasn't even that good. The last four games in the series, he wasn't even that good. Maybe, maybe uh, Jimmy Butler against the Knicks will show up, or Jimmy Butler against the Bucks will show up. Maybe that's the type of Jimmy Butler that's going to show up. I'm not going to make it because the Celtics should have won in five. But if Tatum didn't get hurt in game seven, uh, I think we would have won. Because he only had 14 points. He was he looked like a shell of himself. He could barely run up and down the court, but he played. If he had 38, 40 points, he would have won that game. But it was the first time the Celtics only let up like a, under 110 points in the playoffs and lost. Like their defense was on par. They just couldn't get – they couldn't make a shot to save their life. I don't know if Jason Tatum being healthy is going to stop Jalen Brown from turning the ball over so many times, though. I don't know. I know, but Tatum would have scored more than 14. He would have had, like, almost 40. I don't know. It's just the Celtics as a whole throughout the entire first half shot, like, three for 35 from three. So I don't know if that all falls on Jason Tatum being healthy because the guys just weren't hitting their shots. Derek White, everybody was freaking out over him. Oh, we just saw the duel between Derek White and Caleb Harden. Derek White had 15 points and was two for eight from three. Um... So, I mean, sure, he was great in the playoffs, but game seven, nobody really shot well for them at all. Al Horford didn't shoot well. Jalen Brown especially didn't shoot well. Um, I just don't think it all falls on Tatum being healthy because, yeah, he could have had 40 points, but I don't know if that stops the domino effect of, like, everybody else shooting terribly. So Fair argument. Fair argument. Yeah. Well, that is all I got. Anything else for you guys? I don't believe so. I believe that's all we got over here as well. All righty. Well, see you guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for tuning in to WVUA 90.7 FM and the Full Court Press Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FCP Podcast underscore UA and on TikTok at FCP underscore podcast. See y'all next podcast. Peace. WVUA FM, Tuscaloosa.